Hello, New York, and welcome to New York Take a Walk. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Ethan Birch. Unfortunately, we do not have Steve Durr today, but we're going to do our best to fill you guys in with all the baseball news you need to know, especially with New York Yankees and New York Mets not currently playing. We're going to give you some playoff baseball coverage for the next couple of weeks here before we get into the offseason. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. We're in the midst of two really good playoff series, so I'm excited to really get yeah. into It's the big storyline for today's episode today. Uh, We're recording this episode on Thursday. So for you guys, it's a few days prior to when you're actually listening to this thing. We're on October 16th right now, and we're in the morning. So we're going into the Astros and the Rays. The Astros bouncing back yesterday, actually bouncing back the last two nights in a row. Now have the series at 3-2 to two, or trailing 3-2 to two to the Rays after Carlos Correa's walk-off home run off of Nick Anderson in the ninth inning yesterday. And then the Braves are a win away from – Uh, Their first National League pennant since 1999. So we have some really fun series there. So we'll talk about those two for a bit here. Then we'll flash back to our reaction from last week's ball game with the Yankees and the Rays game five of the American League Division Series. So without further ado, Ethan, we got a really exciting series now. It looks like it was all Rays over there in the American League Championship Series. But the Astros have battled back with a win in game five. Do you think the Astros can come back in this one? You know, this has been... This Astros team has really been playing with a lot of people's minds throughout the entire season. So let's see, like, let's just do a little recap. They get caught cheating, suspended of managers, general managers. So they fire, they kind of clear the house a little bit. They bring in Dusty Baker. Throughout the season, the team struggles. Justin Verlander goes down. You think that for the most part, this Astros team really can't compete with the lack of pitching. They get young guys stepping up. Their hitters start to hit a lot better. I think Correa hit really good throughout the regular season anyway. He's been one of their best hitters, no doubt. Then you go into the postseason, you beat up on an A's team who just struggles in the playoffs year after year, and now you find yourselves down 3-0 against the Tampa Bay Rays, who just looked like the best team in baseball throughout the first couple rounds of the playoffs. They beat up on the Yankees, and although it was close, they pretty much dominated the majority of that series, and they deserve to move on. You're down 3-0. You come back with a really good win. Altuve's been your best bat. He's now hitting 421 in the playoffs right now with – I believe, four home, three or four home runs. Correa walks you off in game five, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a really good spot if you're the Astros. You're da- when you're down 3-0, no team has ever come back from 3-0 except for the Boston Red Sox in 2004. By the way, great documentary on ESPN if you ever want to watch it. Four days in October. You come back, you win, th- you win three games in a row, and you find yourself kind of set up nicely. As you said, Max, before you get Valdez in game six, against Snell. And in that matchup with all the right-handed batters in the Astros lineup, they can take this game realistically and move on to game seven and anything happens in game seven. Listen, I don't like their odds. I think the Rays, I really like Cash. I think he's one of the best managers. He's a really, really smart manager and he knows how to give out a different approach every single night. And that's why the Tampa Bay Rays have been as good as they are. It's never the same pattern, but I still think they win. I think the Rays win. I think they close out in six, but game seven, I, I'm not confident in either team, to be honest. I, this is just, this is, this whole series has been so confusing for me. 
And I think the biggest difference maker for the Rays has to be just the lack of offense right now. Uh, they've been really struggling. And a big part of that is the Astros pitching. I think coming into this game, I was really against the Astros pitching just in terms of depth, but their starting rotation has been able to get into deep into ball games. Uh, whether you talk about Valdez in game one, McCullers in game two and so forth, Granke going six, so huge just because they have a little bit of inexperience in the bullpen when you take out Ryan Presley and so forth. But I think the big key for them is because their starting pitching has gone so deep, they've been able to rest that pen or not rely on it as much. And a guy like Christian Javier, who Dusty Baker is utilizing a little bit more out of the bullpen instead of the starting rotation, now can come back in late in those ball games, and you're not burning him out every single night. And then guess what? The offense has started finally to click here a little bit, get a little bit more lucky. I know in the previous or the first two games of the series, they were incredibly unlucky. The Rays defense was doing very well. They were stinging the ball right at uh, players versus the Rays were dropping in base hits at the perfect times. Because, look, even looking at yesterday's game, it's a bullpen game. And I think 100% of the time, if you see bullpen game between the Astros and the Rays, you're going to take the Rays. The Astros were able to get pick up the timely hits. But the last two games of this series, I do think the depth for the Rays – even if you take out the fact that Nick Anderson has been struggling three earned runs this series, which is pretty unusual based on the fact that he had an 0-5-5 year in the regular season, I still think they have that depth, and I think that offense will can or will actually spark a little bit here and get a little hot as they ride into the post or ride into the potential World Series. Just because, look, I think that's the biggest question mark for them right now, Ethan, is the fact that they are not seeming to hit besides a Rosarena and then maybe G-Man Choi a couple, you know, at bats per game. I was literally about to comment on that. Other than a Rosarena, G-Man Choi, and maybe Mike Zanino, who's been hitting really well, I know that that's your boy. He's actually – Timely hitting, yeah. Shockingly hitting 308, and he's had some really big hits this postseason for the Rays. But you take away those three guys, and this offense is almost non-existent. Brandon Lau finally got it going last night. Yeah. In, excuse me, in game, in game five. And he was and like he one hit. for his last 35 or something like that. He didn't, I don't think – he didn't record one hit against the Yankees. Yeah, it's been he hits absurd. the ball hard a couple times, but I think his only hit was an infield single like earlier in this championship series. I think that and was finally, finally they get a home run out of him, which is something that obviously you need. He's been there with probably their best overall hitter the entire season. But you take away a Rosarena who's been really good, and G Man Choi and Zanino, in my opinion, and there is no offense. They really need to get it going because you look at a cross, which we, I know we want to get into now. The Braves, their offense is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest difference maker in the other series across because we've seen over 50 runs through four games so far. And we have two of the best offenses in Major League Baseball in the Dodgers and the Braves, of course, both top two in the league in OPS and runs scored in the regular season. Uh, and the Braves offense has really come to show. I, again, I underestimated the Braves just because of their lack of pitching depth, but the fact that they're able to get wins and good starts out of Ian Anderson um, and Max Fried in games one and two. And then Bryce Wilson last night. You know, no one knows who this kid is. He's 22 years old, the number six prospect in the Braves system. And he comes out of nowhere. Six phenomenal innings to keep the Braves in this ballgame. Allowed them to stay close with this really good Dodgers team. And then they broke it open. And, of course, as we mentioned, since we're recording this earlier, the Braves have a chance to clinch their first National League pennant since 1999 tonight. And I, I think they could potentially do it. I'm not going to say they will. At this point, I don't think the pitching probables have been announced. And the Dodgers, I think, are still a better team and should be able and are very capable of coming back. But it's going to be close. I agree. This is These teams match up well. We talked about the Dodgers as a complete juggernaut, a team that probably wouldn't be able to come back. I mean, wouldn't be able to lose. And now they find themselves down 3-1, heading into Game 5. In an improbable matchup, the Braves have dominated the series. You take away one inning in Game 3 when the Dodgers put up 11 runs in the first inning. That took away. There was no way the Braves were coming back after that. That game was over. 
However, they respond, and they beat up on Kershaw. They beat up on Gratterall, two really good pitchers. Obviously, Kershaw, but Kershaw, what we take away from this is that Kershaw is still the same postseason Kershaw. <laughs> he cannot figure it out in October, and it's something that's going to haunt him for his entire career. But moving on, this offense is, excuse me, incredible. Up and down, you just look, and there's guys that will smoke a line drive into left field, guys that will go over the way. There's speed. There's power. This is – when you match up these two lineups one-on-one right next to each other, you would think on paper that the Dodgers would just straight-up dominate this series, straight-up, especially just roster-wise. But these guys are just coming together. National League hopeful MVP Freddie Freeman has been so good. Acuna has been okay, but he's got some timely hits. Marcelo he's been on Zuma, base a lot. He's been on base, exactly. And he's fast. He's one of the fastest guys in the field, especially when you get that. You've gotten hits from Juan Camargo, Johan Camargo, excuse me. It's just up and down. This team is really good. And honestly, what they've done in this championship series, what they did against the Marlins, and what overall what they did all year, they probably deserve to be in the World Series. And one more thing before I pass it off to you, I want to comment on their bullpen. I've been really high on their bullpen. And you've got to respect what they've done. Their bullpen has just been so good. You talk about how good Wilson did, but then they went right to Will Smith for an out. They went to the lefty. Then they go Martin. Then they go Maschek and then Green. And these guys have just been so good. Yes, it helps when you get an eight-run something lead, but these guys have just been so dependable all year, and it's what got them to this. And I think their bullpen might be their most important part. Yeah, and then you also not even mentioned Mark Melanson, who's been really good in this series as well. And I think I agree. I think that is the most important part because that bridges the gap to their starting pitching, which really, in my opinion, even though Wilson was great last night, I'd say has two and a half bona fiable starters with Anderson and Free at the top. Then you never know what you're going to get out of Kyle Wright. And then Wilson was yeah. great. We'll see if they do go to the World Series, how much of a role that will play. The days off in the actual World Series will definitely benefit them. But I think it's just so great to see a team that is so good offensively make a push like this. And you talk about Freddie Freeman and Mark Marcelo Zuna is a tandem this season. I think they've driven in almost 90, 100 runs together. I remember that's in a 60-game season, and both are at, like, what, 15 and 18 home runs respectively or something like that in that area in the regular season. Ozuna hits two more bombs last night. Uh, They're really fun to watch. And it's a Braves team that I think really was almost under the radar a little bit coming into this one, just because you have teams like the Dodgers and the Padres in the National League. But look what they've been able to do. Look at that pitching. Takeout game three has been phenomenal this entire postseason. Uh, And Brian Snickers done a really good job of managing this ball club as well. Obviously, he has a lot of assets in that pen to work with. But you know what? He's got it done with a pitching staff that was a big question mark. I mean, think of the guys they lost before we move on from this. Uh, They lost Soroka due to the Achilles injury earlier. Imagine he was still here with this team. Just imagine. Absolutely. You got Fulte Nevich who got DFA'd because he was terrible. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought Bryce Wilson was starting before Fulte Nevich in game four of the National League Championship Series this year? And then my boy, Felix Hernandez, who opts out because of COVID. And then Cole Hamels as well, who got hurt. Those are four really good pitchers coming into this year. Four pitchers who are solid enough that definitely should be getting starting rotation spots over a guy like Bryce Wilson. But you know what? The combo of injuries, COVID opt-outs, and poor performances set up this opportunity for a kid like Bryce Wilson. The fact that he was able to take advantage of that opportunity is absolutely unbelievable to me. And I want to see him get another opportunity in the World Series. That would be really cool for me. Any final thoughts, Ethan? Yeah, Max, let me tell you, that's baseball, man. Opportunity arise, young kids come up, and that's where superstars are born. And that's playoff baseball, and you got to love it. So mm-hmm. final thoughts, I think the Braves move on, and I think the Rays move on. That will be my final predictions. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros didn't. Oh, boy, would that be a story. So I'm always down for some good baseball stories. But my final predictions are Rays and 
Braves. I am right on you. They rhyme together. They work well together. I have Rays and Braves in the World Series. Once again, a reminder, if you're just tuning in, we are recording this earlier in the week on Thursday evening, so we don't quite know the results of the American League and National League Championship Series, but there are predictions, so we could be way off. The Astros could make an incredible comeback, and the Dodgers oh, could make a big exactly. comeback, too. I always say, like, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm always down for a really good baseball story. At the end of the day, imagine, imagine the adversity this team comes through. The Astros come back and come back from 3-0 and make the World Series that would be some story and as much as I dislike them and I know everyone else dislikes them it would be it would be an interesting story especially oh. if they somehow found a way to take on the Dodgers Alrighty, we're going to flash back to last week now you guys didn't get to hear this podcast I guess you could go onto the podcast app and take a listen but if not you could stay here now and listen to our reactions to the Yankees losing game five last Friday evening against the Tampa Bay Rays I'm Max Tanzer alongside Ethan Birch. We thank you guys so much for listening to New York Take a Walk. We'll be right back here next week, next Saturday. Have a great rest of your week and enjoy some playoff baseball. Hello, New York, and welcome to this sad edition of New York Take a Walk. I'm your host, Steve Dare, alongside Ethan Birch and Maxwell Tanzer. Just a tough, tough reaction podcast, special edition we have here as the Yankees fall to the raising game five, two to one. Just heartbreak, just pure sadness, uh, disappointment. You can really go on and on and on. And am I really excited to go into detail? No. But here we are going into detail. Uh, Birch, what's your first reaction from that game? Well, I mean, just first reaction, there's a lot of reactions. But that was a really sad introduction, saddest we've actually had on New York Take a Walk. But for a reason – just crazy, absolute madness. I mean, you, you come into the game, we talked about how we, one of those guys in the Yankees needed a big hit. Aaron Judge gets it, rips a home run off the game's probably best reliever right now, Nick Anderson. The Yankees go up one nothing and give Garrett Cole some comfort room. Not really a comfort room, but it's only one, one run. And then he gives a solo shot to Austin Meadows, who got the good, good piece of the wood and crushed it over the right field fence. Not really crushed it. Judge might have actually caught it if he didn't hit his head on top of the lean over. Um, Take it away. It's 1-1 revenge tour for Mike Brousseau. And he, 10th pitch of the at-bat, I believe, and smokes a solo shot over the left field fence. Something that you just read in a book, like a, a, a revenge tour like that. September 1st, he gets a pitch thrown over his head. Benches almost brawl off after he strikes out. Next day, he rips two home runs in Yankee Stadium. And now on October 9th, a month and eight days later, he hits, sends the Yankees home. Just absolute madness. It's that's baseball, man. That's baseball. Absolutely, that is baseball. And whether you think that Chapman threw up Brousseau intentionally or not, that was still a pretty dang cool moment. And I remember sitting there during the at-bat thinking, like, obviously Chapman doesn't want to put him on, put him on, of course, but thinking he gives up a bomb right here. This is going to be some crazy baseball magic. And it's exactly what happened. But going back to Garrett Cole, I mean, that's exactly what you needed from him. He gutted it out. Uh, the first inning was obviously a little bit sloppy. I don't think he had his best stuff, maybe amped up a little bit. First time he'd been in that situation before. It really reminds me back to game seven of last year when he was sitting in the bullpen the entire time. And instead, A.J. Hinch went to Will Harris, I believe it was, and then didn't even give Garrett Cole a chance to try and keep them in that ball game as they were already trailing. This was his moment right here to pitch under short rest and to show up. And he did exactly what the Yankees need him to. And look, they didn't they weren't able to score more than one run for him. And that's difficult, of course, executing with runners in scoring position and even getting runners on. But 
you had to tip your cap sometimes. That was a really good pitching staff by the Rays. They did a really good job of architecting that plan, uh, bringing Anderson. I'm surprised they brought him in so early, but it worked really well. And they didn't even have to use Snell or Morton. We saw them warming up at the end of the game, but that bullpen is just so good. Uh, Fairbanks had a big bounce back as well after struggling with his command. Uh, and that was the big difference maker for me in that one. Yeah, it really was. I mean, the difference of the series that the Yankees couldn't hit in timely fashion for the most part. Uh, they got it in game four, and really, it's just, honestly, the, just the, the vibe I was getting from the Yankees was not strong, even in that game five. I didn't really see the pure intensity, and I just want to go back to the ninth inning with Stan in that bat, and he's been having a great series. Didn't get hit that game, but had okay at bats during that game so far, but he just stood there. And when he struck out, he just like – it just seemed like he wasn't ready after that home run. And it wasn't necessarily the home run, I really think, that put the Yankees down. It was just – honestly, ever since game two, the whole series just switched. And even though the Yankees won game four, there was just something about that victory that was just like, okay. And even going into game five, I was like, Garrett Cole, I and mean, usually when you're a Yankee fan, you're like – wow, this is what we want. And there's just something about him like, I don't even know if we're ready for this. And you really try to question the direction this team is heading into. Uh, there's just too many all or nothing people in that lineup with Judge, Stanton, Voigt. Glaber has turned into one of those batters now, unfortunately. I think Glaber had a good postseason, though. He overall. had a good postseason. He was on he base. He up towards the end, yeah. Too. Yeah, no, he, at, coming into this game, he, I don't know how he f- did last night. He was, he was one for three, but so that makes him – he was 10 for 23 in the postseason, and he had an on-base percentage over Yeah, five. no, I'm not he saying – He played pretty well. The, I'm not saying he's playing bad. I'm just saying the approach – No, the all-or-nothing, you're right. You're the right. all-or-nothing approach is just what's been killing this team, and I think in big moments where – you just need a single or double. They're thinking they're at home run, home run, home run. And I see these big hacks and just, it's just, I just don't know what direction the Yankees are going to. This is a step back from last year. If the Yankees got to the American league championship series versus the Astros, I had all the confidence in the world. They were going to get to the world series. I agree. I I did not think they were going to win this year. I think the Dodgers are just too good, but I really think this team should have made the world series. And it's just such a disappointment. And Let's go back to a second. In the eighth inning, when we saw Mike Ford pinch hit. Yeah, you know, I was the world. He didn't have was a big no no for me. What's, what's with Boone's leash here? What is this analytics? Toss the analytics away for a little bit. What is this person hasn't gotten a hit since August? He hasn't gotten a hit since August. And we're and I, thinking, wow, all right, we're, we're in a tie game and we have. Higashioka coming up. He's having a pretty good series, but let's let's put Ford in because he's a lefty and he has some power, but he hasn't been able to show that power since in a month, more that's, than a month. That's bad. I was, that's bad. I was shocked seeing that too. Just one because I think Higgy's been having a really good series offensively to his standards. So one, maybe even keep him in. But two, you're bringing, you're forcing Gary Sanchez to come in in a pressure spot to catch difficult pitchers, whether that be a role mm-hmm. as Chapman or so forth coming into that ball game. So I was actually pretty shocked because usually it's backwards. Usually you'll see 
Obviously, we know what's happened with Sanchez the last couple of weeks or so, so forth, his offensive struggles. But usually you'll see that offensive plus catcher start, and then they'll bring in that sub late in the game just to protect when it's really tight like it was. But it was almost backwards, and I saw that happen, and I was – like it was almost jaw dropping to me because it's like why and then you look at the stats that Mike Ford hasn't even gotten a hit since August or whatever it was uh it was a pretty ineffective move in my opinion and I don't understand the backing of it I don't know if Boone was asked about it or questioned about it but yeah I I think in that situation you have to stick with Higgy I agree there was it's an inexcusable move and a lot a lot that happened this series you go back to game two and Boone Mm -hmm. is criticized heavily for what he did in that game, kind of just burning Davey Garcia. Or you look at the front office, there's a lot, is a lot to blame, especially when you got Frazier coming off the bench. But Durrett, uh, Steve Durrett goes back to exactly what you said is that all or nothing approach. And in the eighth inning on a, uh, in a tie game, they go to Ford and Frazier, go Durrett. to Frazier. If they exactly. put Frazier in, I would have been fine. Exactly. Like, exactly. I would have been fine with they Frazier. He works a walk, gets a hit, pinch him and prefer, pinch run, excuse me, for, with him with Talkman or Wade. You get the top of the order. Then, and then putting Sanchez after. I don't mind the pinch hitting situation. I really no, don't. I agree. But, but you I just don't know why went- you go. I'd actually rather even, like, I wouldn't have been, like, that mad. I would have been disappointed. But I would have been that mad if Gary Sanchez pinched it there. I wouldn't have been that mad. That's like the uh, I mean, but it's, it's different. It's different Ford. because Gary has came up clutch this season, even during his times of struggle for the Yankees. Uh, Mike Ford hasn't proved anything this year to make him worthy for that spot. No, I agree. And I think it's just the numbers that the Yankees analytics department of front office goes by that Boone has to play to, unfortunately. But a couple of other big moments that were pretty underlooked in my opinion that had played a big role in this game for the Rays were won the first inning, obviously putting that pressure on him out of the gate, forcing him to throw 20, 25 pitches. And then I was talking about this on Twitter last night as well, the two at bats from Yandy Diaz and Joey Wendell, forcing him to throw 20 pitches almost with two separate at bats to get him out of that game, to get him to 94, 95 pitches by the middle of the fifth inning to force him out of that ball game and force the bullpen. Obviously the Yankees were able to bring in both Britton and Chapman who were really dominant arms, but Cole was, dominating in that entire ball game, shutting them down, gave up just one hit up to that point, maybe two, I think it was the judge homer and then one more. Uh, and besides that, uh, it didn't look too good for them, but getting him out of the game was huge at that moment. And I think that's when the tide started to shift a little bit more for the Rays in their favor. I, I feel like every time, and I was talking about it with people I was watching last night and like, Oh, three count for Stan. That's the worst count I could possibly be in because he's going to swing the ball and hit a ground ball a third or pop up the third. Does it every time I feel like he swings three Oh, and he did it again. And I'm like, did I tell you? Did I tell you? It's just, it's just mind-boggling. It really is just mind-boggling that I haven't seen Stan hit a 3-0 pitch hard or for success, in other words, in a very, very long time. And I know the potential with Stan swinging at a 3-0 pitch is great, but it hasn't showed. Yeah, and I'd like to see the amount of base runners you guys had that entire game. Drawing a walk would be huge at that point, just because you're not going to catch too many breaks with that race pitching staff. You know, it's like, all right, we get him out of the ball game. We get Glass now out of the ball game. Who do we get now? We get Nick Anderson. After that, it's going to be Fairbanks, who was really good. And after that, Castillo, three of the best bullpen arms in Major League Baseball. Then guess what? You got Snell and Morton warming up in the pen. So at that point, you know, it's almost like you're not trying to drive these pitchers out of the game because, you know, you're never going to catch a break, but instead you need to string something along and try to catch one of these pitchers 
off guard. And when you're going with that all or nothing mentality that you were talking about, and these are pitchers that are throwing 98 plus with those breaking balls, you're going to strike out a lot. And in this case, they were able to dominate them and the Yankees weren't able to string anything along at any point, it seemed like. They had, uh, I just looked it up. They had four walks and three hits, one of them being an Aaron Judge. So it looks like they had six base runners the whole game. And they struck out 11 times this game. And that's a lot. And it's just. Better than 18. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But coming along, you just look at it, and every pitcher that came out from the Tampa Bay Rays is throwing hard, 100 mile an hour. They're all righties with hard breaking ball pitches, as you just said, Max. And the approach for the Yankees all game just wasn't there. Even Judge's home run, he missed it. He's just a big man, and he got it over the fence. No, I know. He, like, it's a little slicing drive down the right field line. I agree. It's one of those little Yankee Stadium home runs, as you said, and it went out in this ballpark. He, he got it. It just, it just wasn't crushed, in a sense, what the Yankees did all season. And it's unfortunate to see this season go down like this because last year it ended very similar, obviously later in the season, but – What's, the, what's next for the Yankees now? They get eliminated in the ALDS to an up-and-coming, looks to be a powerhouse in Tampa Bay. I, I mean, honestly, I'd say, and I, I'm curious to see what you think about this, Steve, but I think, again, obviously you talk about game five, the offense didn't show up, but for the most part, it seemed like the offense was there. You guys were rolling coming into this series in games, what, one, two, and three. You still scored, what, four or five runs at least. Um but I think pitching was still a big problem in it in terms of just not trusting those guys in the bullpen. And then you also lose both Paxton and Severino, so you don't have as many options. And I think that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Was that was a huge game. loss. He only threw like a couple innings this year, right? And mm-hmm. I think if you have those guys last year plus Cole coming into this season, we even talked about it, that is the finishing touch right there because you have these solid pitchers who can eat up some innings for you and keep you in the ball game, and you hand it off to that pen. But having Garrett Cole was that guy that you're confident to get that one every night. But now Garrett Cole's role is a little bit more important. He has to do a little bit extra if it's even possible for one starter uh, just because you have lost so many guys in that capacity. So I think those injuries almost – hurt you more than most people would expect you to, or at least they're looking at it like it is. A little more bullpen depth is a need. Like another right-hand arm. Uh, not necessarily need to get away, get away from Chapman. Chapman, I think, is still really good. He is. As long just... as he's throwing – as long as he's he, – he needs to have his velo, otherwise he doesn't have his Anything. value. That's why I like he's bringing any... the split in, though. I think that'll definitely yeah, no, hurt yeah. him along his career. He, yeah. I think he's going to figure it out. But I yeah. – you need because Canley's not going to be available next year with this Tommy John surgery, or maybe at the end of next year, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Because he was diagnosed with this so early. Anyway, no Canley. You really need to look at another right hand arm. Uh, with especially with Ottavino not being fully trusted, and we'll talk about more about that signing. And then a little bit more rotation depth, maybe just one more starter. And they got a they're getting Severino back, which is good. He's going to be a good two. They're going to probably either maintain one of Paxson or Tanaka. I'd choose Tanaka. I and then yeah, definitely we'll see Tanaka. how that goes because you might want to keep Paxson just because you did that trade for Sheffield. Who knows? And honestly, Tanaka has yeah. been very weird with this whole season towards the end with like putting farewell posts there. So talking about really? his last year of his contract. So maybe we see a move to um, back to Japan. I don't know. It's just a little interesting going on. Anyway, that's the situation. And then you're going to have Debbie Garcia, which is good. You potentially have Clark Schmidt be ready for the mm-hmm. rotation next year. Also, Montgomery proved himself in that start for game four. Uh, he's a good 
back-end starter for the rotation. So I'm not fully worried about the rotation. Maybe if you're going to do anything, just add one more arm. But it's more bullpen righties and just some sort of approach with that lineup. You need to First of all, you need to definitely re-sign LeMahieu. That's the priority of the Absolutely. offseason. Mm-hmm. And then you work from there, maybe add a lefty bat. But I, it just depends on the direction. And then Aaron Boone is a whole another story because his decision-making these past few post-seasons have been poor. So I guess we'll see where they go from there. I don't think they move on from Boone. I have a question, I though. Do you, think, do you think it was Boone's decision to bring in Hap in game two, or do you think that was the analytical department saying definitely he gets in a situation like that? Front office. Front it's office. both. It's definitely both. Please. But it's just I think the Yankees got to, as a whole, need to rethink the direction they're going to with this or in this organization. They're getting too analytic They're not – they have you never been like that. I've always said you need a balance. You can't be full on one side or full on the J- other. Jay Happ is not analytics. <laughs> he is not an <laughs> analytics pitcher. didn't make sense. He's it a really pitcher. didn't make any yeah. sense at all. You burned two guys in one game. That's what exactly happened. And uh, Debbie wasn't burned. It just they wasn't necessary to do that. They weren't necessarily comfortable using him out of it the bullpen. It just wasn't necessary. It just wasn't necessary. I, I think – I just I feel like the outlook was, and I don't agree with this. I think this is wrong, but was to bring in the lefty on what is a really hef- le- excuse me heavy they lefty lineup. Yeah, but that's not. They the didn't and it didn't work exactly. I agree. They didn't no, have no, I agree. Lefties all year, especially with Hap, who's throwing ninety miles an hour. It's borderline a problem for those exactly, lefties. and that's why I think it was a bad decision. But I, but as a non-baseball, we talked about how they needed that one big hit, and they got it off Nick Anderson. You expected Anderson to roll steamroll through three innings. Which, in a sense, he did as soon as Aaron Judge. Let's talk about both home runs for a second that the Yankees allowed. They both barely went out of the ballpark. I know, but they got good wood on it. Like, Austin Meadows got the good part of the bat, and so did Broussard. Broussard's was a little different, mainly because, you know, when you're throwing 100 miles per hour, get the good wood. You just need to make his swing demon look that hard. He just was able to get the good wood on it. He, can't, he just cut down, his, he cut down his swing on a 3 2. Yep. He was like, he did the whole at bat. That's what you got to do when someone's throwing that hard. And he crushed it. In turn sense. and burn, turn and burn. Exactly. It's a pure baseball swing right there. So that will do it for this reaction podcast for New York Take a Walk. Thank you for tuning into this special edition. Tune into VIC Radio next week as we break down the rest of the MLB postseason and what's going on. We will be transitioning for the time being to a more primary baseball show. But for now, enjoy your weekends and start spreading the news in a positive way. For Max Tenzer and Ethan Birch, I'm Steve Dare.